0: Good morning, church. Good morning. I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, as we turn to our passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. This will also be on your bulletin, but if you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, and now... I just would invite you to stand as we examine our passage of Scripture this morning. Let's stand together as we read Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for your word that we may know who you are and what your will is. I pray that as we examine this passage, that it would not be about what I have to say or my opinions, but it would be about what you have said and your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It wasn't that long ago that I sat down in a room... Right down that hall and answered some questions and asked some questions. I remember it like it was only eight months ago. (laughs) And the whole process, I just remember being so excited about what God is doing here at Cornerstone and just praying that I would get to be a part of it. And throughout the whole process, interviews and Uh, ultimately coming here and preaching and, and the subsequent vote. I remember going to a dear friend of mine that lived near us and asking for prayer throughout this process, asking him that he would pray for me. And he said, of course, of course he'd pray for me. And he just wasn't sure how he would pray. He said maybe he would pray that I would Um, Just tank the interview that the sermon would flop and 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 just because he would miss me so much if I left And then he said more so he would miss my children, but that's how things work but Of course he was kidding and he prayed for the will of god He prayed that the lord would move in the whole process, but It just brings up a thought So often, people tell us that they'll pray for us. So often, we tell people we'll pray for them, and we usually don't say how we'll pray for them. And how much more comforting would it be to know, okay, this person is praying for me, and this specifically is their prayer for me. In our passage this morning, we see that the Apostle Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. And he goes into detail about how he's praying for them. I'm praying for you. Let me tell you how I'm praying for you. What I am praying for in your lives. So let's examine together this passage to know how Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. To know how we might pray for our own brothers and sisters in Christ. And how we might pray pray that the lord would work in our own lives. So let's examine again verse 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So Paul tells them I'm praying for you, let me tell you who I'm praying to. So he takes a minute to explain who he's praying to. And so I want to talk about who the Apostle Paul is praying to. Now, it might seem like a no-brainer. We're all Christians in here, and it's like, you know, I, I could use some work as it relates to prayer in my life, but I'm pretty sure that I'm sending them in the right direction. But Paul is speaking to a group of believers and telling them who he's praying to, so why don't we as a group of believers look at who the Apostle Paul is praying for or who he is praying to. He is praying to God the Father. God the Father, why would he tell them that he's praying to God the Father? We all know that we're supposed to pray to God the Father. He tells them so that they would know that the power of a prayer is not determined by who is praying it or what you are saying, but the power of your prayer rests fully upon who you're praying to. So if you go, I'm going to pray... I don't know if it's going to be a very, good pray, a very good prayer. Well, if you're praying to the right person, then it's a good prayer. It's a powerful prayer because the power of your prayer does not rest upon what you say, but who you're saying it to. You're praying to God, the Father of all, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. What does that mean? Every family in heaven and on earth is named for God the Father. Well, God is the Father of all. All things originate from Him. We belong to Him. Everyone who has lived before is living right now or, or will live in the future. All exist because of Him. Everyone, whether they like it or not, in this world belongs to to God and exist only by his sovereign will. Any power that you have, any influence, any agency, any property, money, any breath you're able to take, step you're able to take, you have that because God gave it to you. So as we think about his name on us, Name equals ownership. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Toy Story. I see lots of movies like that because I have children in the house. But I like Toy Story. And you have Woody, this cowboy toy. And you've got Buzz, who's the spaceman toy. Now, those are their names, Woody and Buzz. But if you look at the bottom of their boot, there's another name. Andy. They bear the name Andy. Why? Because they belong to Andy. Every creature on this earth bears the name of God the Father because we belong to him. Name is ownership. And this is who Paul is praying to. And when we pray, this is who we are praying to. And that is why our prayers are powerful. Again, not because of what we say, but because who we're saying them to. God, the father of all, the owner of all, the ruler of all, the maker of all. So he's told them who he's praying to. Let's look now at the specifics of his prayer requests. Let's look together, Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 19. If he, Ephesians three sixteen to 19. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, the Apostle Paul has three things that he is praying for. Three things that he is praying will come about in the lives of the Ephesian believers by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first is the full glory of the presence of God. The second is that they would live in the love of Jesus. And the third is that they would have a complete understanding of the love of Jesus. So let's look at his first prayer request first. That they would have the full glory of the presence of God. Verse 17a. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. There's a lot here to look at, but we need to understand that we experience Christ in us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us by faith. Jesus promised before he left to prepare a place for us, and he sent the disciples on the Great Commission. Before he did that, he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Until I get back, I'm with you. I'm leaving you, but I'm with you until I come back to you. That's what he says. Because by the Holy Spirit in them, they would have a connection to Christ Jesus. And that is what we experience. By the Holy Spirit in us, we experience a connection to Jesus Christ our Savior forever until he comes back and we see him face to face. So Paul is writing to people who are already believers And he says that he prays that Christ would dwell in them through faith. Well, they already have faith. If you're a Christian this morning, you you already have faith. By grace, we're saved through faith. Okay? And he's praying that through faith, they would experience the indwelling of Christ Jesus. Well, we know that we have faith when we come To Jesus Christ, when we repent of our sins, we put our faith in him. But throughout our lives, as we walk with the Lord, we grow in that faith. Anyone who's been walking with the Lord for a number of years can look and say, man, I can see how my faith has grown as I've walked with Jesus. So just as we're people who already have faith, who are growing in faith, we are people who are already indwelt by the presence of God. We're people who are already temples of God. And just as we're growing in our faith, we're becoming templeier. That's not in the dictionary, but it should be. We're becoming templeier, or probably a better way to say it, we're becoming a temple that is more glorious. I invite you to look. Back, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. Look back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. You shouldn't have to go very far. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are all temples of the Holy Spirit when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the spirit within us is working in us to make us a temple that is more glorious. This has been compared before to the difference between the tabernacle and Solomon's temple. The tabernacle, for those who don't know, was a temporary structure that could be set up and taken down. Primarily it was a tent And it was a beautiful tent. Craftsmen built the parts of it, the components of it. It was beautiful. God designed it. But it was a temporary structure to be set up and taken down. And in that tabernacle, they would put the Ark of the Covenant of God where the glory of the presence of God rested. And eventually, Solomon would build another more glorious, more beautiful, greater and grander place for the Ark of the Covenant to be. He would build a temple. And there was nothing wrong with the tabernacle. God's presence, the glory of God's presence was there, just like it was in the temple. But because the Ark of the Covenant, the t- glory of the presence of God was in a grander and greater place the glory of the presence of God would shine forth greater in that place and that is the goal for each of us that the presence of God in us would shine forth more glorious and and, and so much greater as we grow in faith So that's his first prayer request, that they would experience the full glory of the presence of God. His second prayer request is that they would be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. Verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love. We should be firmly planted within the love of Jesus and drawing from it for everything that we do. Every action we take should be fueled by the love of Jesus that we are firmly planted in. That if someone were to bump into us, the love of Jesus would squirt out of us. You ever meet someone like that? I would like to be someone like that. That every interaction that you have with that person, it's like, man, you're just getting the love of Jesus all over me. And that is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. Now, I like to to cook things on my smoker, and I like to eat those things. But for those of you who like to do this, a a ticket to success is to take that piece of meat and put it in a marinade or a brine and just let it sit in there. And let it just draw that in over time. Leave it in the fridge and that stuff for maybe a whole day, maybe two and when you take that piece of meat out and you, you dab it dry so you can put the rub on, okay, it has changed. It has just taken that brine, that marinade, and it has become part of the essence of that piece of meat. And you cook it and you eat it and it's like that, that brine, that marinade, I took it out of there. It's, it's a part of its essence now. And Paul's prayer is that that would be what happens for these believers that they would be so much in the love of Jesus that it changes the very essence of us. God's love. The Apostle John would tell us in 1 John 4 that if we don't love, we don't know God because God is love. So if we're not people like that, then it's pretty clear that that's not what we're sitting in. We're not sitting in God's love if we don't have Love. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Oh, how I love my neighbor because Jesus first loved me. Oh, how I love my enemy because when I was an enemy of God, Jesus loved me and died for me. Love should be part of our Essence. The love of Jesus should be who we are. We should be rooted and grounded in that love. And now he says the third and final prayer request here that they would have a full understanding of the love of Jesus. If you're going to be rooted and grounded in it, you should understand it. Verse 18 and 19. That you may have strength to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So he, he says that they would understand with all the saints. That's an easy part to skip over, but it's an important thing for us to see. Understand it with all the saints the saints. What we understand about God, we understand with all the saints. We understand as a church. Now, that doesn't mean we do theology by consensus. Okay? That doesn't mean, oh, what does everybody else believe? That's what I'll believe. That's dangerous. But what it does mean is that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we help each other along the way as we seek to know and understand God. I was talking with someone once who knew the words of his Bible very, very well? He read his Bible all the time. He could quote it. He could quote it better than I could. He could quote it better than a great deal of people that I had met. He knew the words of his Bible. But he believed some pretty strange and messed up things that would put him outside of legitimate Christianity. And he told me, he said, you know, I've come to the point where I'd like to join a church, but I can't find a church that believes what I do. I thought, I wonder why that is. (laughs) The Lone Ranger Bible scholar quickly becomes a heretic. We are to help each other along the way as we read Scripture, as we seek to understand who God is We are supposed to be with brothers and sisters in Christ encouraging each other and helping each other to understand with all the saints. Okay, with understand with all the saints what? The fullness of God's love. The breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love. That's what he wants us to know. Well, that's not something... Small, is it? I think of the hymn. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's all. Just understand that completely, will you? Paul is praying that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would know completely the love of Jesus. Not some cheap version of it, but that we would know the love of Jesus. There is such a temptation and a tendency to say, here is the love of God. God is love. And this is the definition of love that I have in my mind. The love, the definition of love that the world would have me believe. Let me take all of these things and let me put them on God. Because God is love and that's love. But that's not at all how we should approach understanding the love of God. God's definition of love is not the definition we have in our sinful flesh, in our own understanding. God's definition, God's version of love is not the world's definition of love. True love, real love, is the love of God. And to know what that is, to define it, we go to what God has said in his word and the Holy Spirit helps us to comprehend and internalize that definition. As we look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, he prays that they would have the full presence of God within them, the full glory of the presence of God within them. And he prays for the love of Jesus Christ, that they would know it, that they would live in it. And that is the pinnacle of what the Holy Spirit can empower us to do. That is the pinnacle of what the Holy Spirit can empower us to do. Sometimes when people think about the Holy Spirit is going to give me power, they think it's like from some kind of a superhero movie. I now have a superpower because I have the Holy Spirit in me. I now can do things that make me seem glorious because I have the Holy Spirit in me. I can now do things that are cool to watch. Things that are sensational. I spoke to someone who, as he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, it was all just feelings and sensations. And, and, and man, I don't know what it's like to do drugs, but it must feel like this. Because this feels so good to have the Holy Spirit. But as Paul prays for the Ephesian church... The pinnacle of what the Holy Spirit can do for them is to give them the full glory of the presence of God and that they would know and live in the love of Jesus Christ. That is the best thing that the Holy Spirit can empower you to do in this life. If we miss that, we've missed it all. 1 Corinthians 13, two, and if I have and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If we've missed it, the love of Jesus, then we've missed all of it. As tall of an order as it is to pray for these three things to happen in us, verse 16 tells us how it's going to get done. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So, number one, that God would provide you with these things according to his riches. What riches? Well, we've established in the first part where we talked about who God is, who we're praying to when we pray to God, that he owns everything. So according to what riches? According to all the riches. So God who owns everything. That's who we're praying to. So as tall of an order as this seems, we're talking about God here. Imagine a Girl Scout shows up to your door, And says, I would like you to buy cookies from me according to your riches. (laughs) All right. According to this month's riches. Maybe I can do 10 boxes. That's not buying according to my health. But it's buying according to my riches. So I'll buy 10 boxes. Yeah, I think I can do 10 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. And we're feeling pretty generous. Now imagine that girl walks from your house to Jeff Bezos 's house and says, "Mr. Jeff, please give me uh, please buy my Girl Scout cookies according to your riches." The record for Girl Scout sales currently, if you're interested, is thirty two thousand four hundred and eighty four boxes, but I think that they would beat that record if they went to his house and says, "Buy cookies according to your riches." When we ask God to give us things according to his riches, we're talking about something that is limitless. We're talking about something that has no end, the riches of God. And when we ask God to give us something, no matter how big it is, when he gives according to his riches, he gives amazing things. So, The Apostle Paul prays that these things would happen, be granted according to the riches of God. And he also prays that they would happen by the power of the Holy Spirit within them. By the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And this is how we should pray. When we know that we're praying for something to happen in the life of a brother or sister in Christ, we're not praying that This happens by their own strength or willpower. We're recognizing that the presence of God is inside of them. And the things I'm praying for, for them, they will be accomplished by the power of God inside of them. When we pray that God would free a brother or sister from the grips of an addiction, we pray that that would happen by the power of the Spirit. When we pray that God would lift them out of a depression, we pray that that would happen by the power of the Spirit. When we pray that God would see them through a trial, we pray that the Holy Spirit inside of them would give them the strength to get through the trial. Everything we pray to happen in a brother or sister in Christ's life, we pray that it be done by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the riches of our heavenly Father. So let's look now to how the Apostle Paul closes out this prayer for the Ephesian church. Verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our God has the power to provide all we ask for and all we could ever think to ask for. And his spirit is within us to see us through. As God grants us his presence and his love in our lives, he is glorified in Us, his church. And Christ Jesus, the head of his church, receives the glory. As you go out this week, you need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And that's a tall order. But the power of the Holy Spirit within you will help you to know the love of Jesus. As you read the word of God, the spirit within you will help you to know the love of Jesus. And you need to live in that love. And every step of the way, give all the glory, every bit of it, to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. Lord, I pray that you would help us by your spirit and according to your riches. Help us to know completely that love. Help us to live in it. Help it to be part of our very essence. Lord, we pray that we would become more glorious temples for you. That the glory of your presence within us would shine forth in a greater, more wonderful way to those who see us. That we would be a witness to you as we serve your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.